Fiends and horror hounds. This is Brett from Dimension Z, joined as I am every week by Greg of the Dead. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. And this is Hereditary, which is a super depressing movie. You're aware of this. And I couldn't think of a better person more to liven this up as the guy who hates everything. He's been referenced on this podcast before. Hi, Brandon. <laughs> oh my yeah. god, I hate it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this is the guy, if you've heard us reference, Brandon hates everything. This is Brandon. Hello, everyone. Um, it's actually interesting that I'm on a podcast and talking about a movie that I actually love. So forget everything you knew about me. Yeah, this movie is wild. Um, do you guys remember the first time you saw it? Did everyone get, have a theater watching uh -huh. this? Yes. Ooh, yes. Brandon, your guest. Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I was actually dragged to this movie by um, a girl I was the girl I was dating at the time. I had no interest in seeing it because it was a horror movie that came out in what January, February, and that's when all the great horror movies come out. I think it actually came out in, like in summer, like or fall. Did it? No, okay. yeah, yeah, I think. Fall. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was before like all the good horror movies come out. Yeah. And I, I had no interest in seeing it. The trailer didn't look that good to me. And then I got there. I sat through the first what twenty minutes until that scene happens. And my, she had to check on me and make sure I was, because I stopped breathing. I, I strongly remember just stopping breathing in the theater and I had to catch my breath. Yeah, it'll do that to you. Uh, Brett, you? Real quick to do our real quick uh, beginning shit. Came out in 2018, written and directed by Ari Aster. He did not produce it, so he did not get the Ed Wood trifecta. <laughs> no Ed Wood for you, Ari. <laughs> um, but amazing movie. So this came out in 2018, which is the exact same year I met my now wife. Aww. And this movie, I went, because she used to live like an hour and a half away. So it was always a pain in the ass to have to like go, like drive all the way to like go see her. Like I loved it when I got there, but like the drive sucked, which is one of the reasons we moved in so, like moved in together so quickly. <laughs> it's like, I'm tired of driving to see you. So this relationship was already off to a good start. I see. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, but there was this <laughs> awesome drive-in. out of convenience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, there was this awesome drive-in up by where she lived. And I think it was like probably your like fourth or fifth date, maybe. Where we went to the drive-in and we saw Hereditary and Slenderman. And Slenderman was the better, correct? Oh, fuck. Slenderman, I don't remember whatsoever <laughs> because we weren't watching the movie. Yes. Um, but Hereditary, like, most of the movie, Liz had her arm, like, her had her head, like, in my, like, chest because she was so scared of it. And the <laughs> entire time, she's just asking me to explain what's going on. And I have to be like, the mom sawing her he own head off. <laughs> You hear the talking <laughs> sound again. There's naked people. Like <laughs> naked smiling people. Yeah, but honestly, like the very next day, because when I saw this at the drive in, it had, at that point had already been released on Blu ray. So, very next day, I went to Walmart to buy this on Blu ray because I was like, I need to own mm -hmm. this. Yes. So, do you guys remember Movie Pass? Yeah. <laughs> 
So I am one of those people that abuse the hell out of Movie Pass, which is why they probably went out of business. And Thanks, when I had it, I was working a weekend job. So I'd work Friday through Sunday, really long hours, and I was off all week. And so during the week, I would just go to matinees every day, and I saw like every movie that came out. But a lot of times, the theater would be to myself because it was like Tuesday at 11 a.m. Who's there? Right. And I, the movie that I hadn't seen, it looked okay. I'm like, oh, I'll go see this hereditary movie. I was in like the back little theater by myself seeing this movie with the giant surround sound, and <laughs> it was the worst experience oh of my life, and I hated it. Brett, we talk about horror movies all the time, and some things will get creepy and stuff. This was the first movie in years that terrified me when I was watching it in there. Because, like, you'd hear people walk outside every now and then, so I just hear footsteps behind me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sitting there alone in a dark theater, especially like you were saying with the surround sound. And this movie, like, relies on a lot of, like, sound cues and whatnot. That would yeah. be, like, terrifying. I was going to say, putting, like, the sound in... in context for it the sound of this movie really makes you feel alone even if you're in a full theater like i was yeah and then that night i remember i was down in my basement doing some laundry and my hot water heater like started up or whatever they do i don't know <laughs> and it made the sound and i threw <laughs> all my clothes into the air and went fuck that and i went upstairs i remember i think i remember you texting me that because i i like messaged you or something about hereditary like back in the day and we were talking a little bit about it. And then you told me about your water heater kick uh, clicking on, which I thought was hilarious. Oh, it scared the hell out of me. So I, I have some beef with this movie going back to then. I also have a real quick story about the second time I watched this movie. Good. So I bought it on Blu-ray the very next day after I saw it at the drive-in. Once I went back home um, to my parents' house, because yes, at that point, just a couple years ago, I was still living at my parents' house. Nerd. Yeah, well, I lived in their attic, <laughs> not their basement, so I wasn't completely stereotypical. There was no dead grandma bodies up there? or I mean, uh, there were... No, <laughs> never mind. Um, but anyway... But about the same amount of flies. Gotcha, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, be just from the beer cans alone. <laughs> um but i was talking to my mom about this because my mom is as uh anyone that listens to the podcast knows and but just to let you know brandon my mom is a huge like horror movie fan she's okay. who got me into them so okay. i was like you need to watch hereditary so that night we watched hereditary as soon as i got home and dad was at work at that time he was a fireman so he would go away for like an entire day then come back for a couple so we're watching it on the big screen downstairs, and she's terrified. Well, after the movie, I will not stop doing the sound, like the clucking, <laughs> constantly. So much so that I was like 25, 26 years old. My mother called my father at work and told him to talk to me. To <laughs> stop clucking at her because it was scaring her. And my dad has no idea what she's talking about. Because he hasn't seen the movie. I used to do the same thing with that girl I, I saw it at the theater with. I used to do the same thing with her. We would be in Walmart. We would be like at home just doing nothing random or whatever. And I would just randomly say, and she had to sit me down and say, listen, I need you to stop doing that. I, I cannot take it. You're both evil. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You guys ready to kick this thing off? Yeah. Hell yes. This movie. <laughs> All right. So it starts with, on-screen obituary for the grandmother, Ellen, who passed away. Mm. Brandon, I know you watched this movie a shit ton of times leading up to this. 
Yes. Some of us have jobs where we had to watch a bunch of other movies, so I didn't get to watch it that many times. So anything weird, you know, please feel free to jump in, cut me off at any um, time. No, I have I have many notes. I, I kind of went Alex Jones on this. Um, I have a lot of notes talking about just, just everybody. Everybody was taken into it. Everybody, everybody was a part of this. They had nothing they could do. Everybody, the, the, the frogs were gay. I don't know. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. It's all a conspiracy. Alex oddly pops up on this podcast more than you think. And <laughs> yeah. None of us like him. I've noticed. I've noticed. I've noticed. But so we get this miniature transition, which I fucking love from the get go. Like, because mm. Annie, Tony Collette's character, is a miniature artist. She's making the whole display for her art gallery. But it transitions right into Peter's room, him being woken up for the funeral. And it kind of calls into question the whole idea that these are dolls. They're in a, they're in a set. They're not in control. Um, you have to manipulate them a certain way to to do the scene that you want, and it's kind of the underlying theme of the entire movie. And I thought that was a really awesome way to start it. Yeah, this movie is kind of bleak when you think about it, because nothing these people do could stop what was set in motion. It's not like a, a slasher horror movie, for example, where we're like, "Don't go upstairs into the room full of spikes and chainsaws." Yeah. Nothing like that, where they made a dumb decision. It's just put in place for them. Right, and there's a lot of clues later on, too, that they had no control. Um, even background details that happened that just show that there was nothing they could have done to change this. Oh, yeah, and that's another thing about this movie. It's so rewatchable, because, like, the first time you watch it, you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? The <laughs> 20th time you watched it, you're like, I see the symbol there, I see the little tiny background, like, detail right there, you know. Everything is explained if you pay attention enough, and it's it, it's great. This is why Ari Aster is one of my favorite directors i wonder how many drafts he went through this script just tweaking little details because there's no wasted scenes in this movie sometimes brett you know me and you'll be talking at the end we're like well they could have cut some time off here or something like that i don't think there's anything here that doesn't lead to something else almost this entire movie yeah especially like it's really weird with this movie as well because it is a longer movie than like we're used to like kind of covering usually we're used to like an hour and a half for like we get an hour 20 hour and 20 minute movie we're like fuck yeah but this one's like over two hours right but it's also like it draws you in and you don't really feel like that time's going by like it doesn't feel like it's that long you know it does though it does there's parts of it that just feel so droning on but it serves the purpose it's supposed to make you feel it's supposed to induce that anxiety and make you just sit there in yourself and be like, what the hell is going to happen next? You know, I tell you what, watching it in a dark movie theater by yourself, the whole thing feels <laughs> like that. And you're like, let's get this thing over with already. Come on. I say, yeah, even like you were saying, the pauses themselves, even like, or like there, you're not sitting there being like, okay, come on. Fuck. Like, come on, move it on. I want to see the mass kill. Right. You're sitting there being like, what the fuck's going to happen next? Like, exactly. you're not even thinking about time no and like i said you there's parts where i just stop breathing because you, you just subconsciously stop thinking about it where we get charlie slept in the treehouse that treehouse will come into play quite a bit later mm-hmm. and then we cut to the funeral annie's eulogy and she's talking about how private her mom was what she say it's so nice to see so many faces or mom would be surprised mom would be a little suspicious by the That's turn it, because yeah. she was so secretive but she wasn't to these people. She was completely open with all these freaking weirdos. Yeah, everybody who is in the family is in the cult. Yeah, you might not recognize them at the end of the movie due to the fact that they're not wearing clothes. Well, yeah, I, I tended not to look at the faces. 
Charlie. I don't know how you can't like jokes aside because that one dude's smile is so terrifying. It's all I can focus has these gleaming teeth coming from the dark. Well, even the shadows, like the shadows, focused on the penis and the teeth. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, whoever that guy's dentist is is like okay. You're like top notch. Exactly. Yeah, he's the guy they're putting on the ads. Chris, 3D white strips. Speaking of dentist ads, uh, next week. I will get there at the end. You don't give that away. Then they skip the end. Oh, God. That's also where we got our first Charlie tongue click. Not a big deal, but that's there. That night, also, Charlie says her grandma wanted her to be a boy to Annie. Also, we forgot to mention that they didn't bring the EpiPen. They didn't bring the EpiPen to the funeral because Charlie's just munching on a plain Hershey bar at the yes. funeral. Come on, kid. Time and place for everything. But are there nuts in it? Nope. Not in that. We, we don't have the EpiPen. Yeah, they're terrible parents. If your, like, child had that kind of allergy where, like, they're going to die if they eat any kind of nut, have the fucking EpiPen with you. Like, we have an EpiPen, and we take that thing everywhere here. Yeah. Like, and ours isn't even, like, that level, like Charlie's, but still, like, just for allergies and shit, like, if an allergic reaction would happen. Yeah, because why not? Why wouldn't you take it with you, you know? Yeah. It's not like it costs you $10 every time you take it out of your house. No, Charlie's telling her mom that grandma wanted her to be a boy that night when she's getting tucked in. Yes. Why is that? I was going to say because Payman enjoys boys. He loves the dudes. Yeah, he doesn't want to be like in a girl host. He's not a big, big fan of that. So look, he doesn't know how to you work guys know if you listen to this show, we spoil it from the get go. So we can jump a little to the end. Brandon or Brett, help me out. Is Payman already in Charlie this entire time? I yes. don't believe so. Oh, I got disagreement. No, I don't think so. I don't think think because once Charlie dies, you see the weird little light thing that flashes throughout the like room and whatnot that uh, um, the sun sees. I forget what his name is. Peter. 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 Yeah, Peter keeps seeing the light after Charlie dies, and then like at the very end, the light goes into Peter. Yes. And then they call Peter Charlie. Yes. Charlie, your payment. You know. No, that's the point though. The light doesn't go into Charlie. The light goes around Charlie. I think Payman's leading her places. Like he leads her outside while she's making the, the dolls. She le- he leads her outside to where she needs to go outside. But she he never goes into her because it's a female host. And Charlie is the only one who's sad out of this whole family. Annie had a terrible relationship with her mom. Steve, I think, I don't even know if he had one with her. And Peter wasn't close with her at all. Charlie was the only one really close with her. Uh, Ellen. Is Steve the dad? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. The dad that, like, I love him throughout the entire movie, where he's just, like, he just keeps shrugging his way through every scene, like, okay, this is happening now. Well, he, like, he's not He's not important, though. He's not part of the family. That, that I kind of like that he doesn't really have a character, because he's not really important. He's just kind of there. Yeah, true. I disagree. I used to think that, honestly, until this watch, because when you... I'm trying to almost compare this to, like, an actual grieving family, like, experiences and stuff. Mm. And I think Steve actually is a really important character. This might sound weird, but I think he's the dad or, like, parental figure who's just trying to keep things together because the rest of the family is so fucked right now. And he just has to push through all the bullshit, deal with the clerical stuff of, like, funerals, like, deal with all this stuff, like, make dinner and try to get everyone to the table. I legit think he's a good example of that type of person. Well, he's also a therapist. He's trying to think of it in a in a psychology kind of way. When you, in, I mean, obviously in this situation, you can't really think of it in a psychology way because it's very spiritual and 
demonic. It, you, you, it, I think that, that I think his character was meant to serve that purpose. Looking at it from the psychology perspective, honestly. Well, he's like the one straight man in this movie where, like, he keeps being like, no, your dead mom's not in the attic, you know? Peter's straight, too. He's looking at that girl's butt. Other straight man. (laughs) (laughs) What does this mean? One of you guys help me out. The writing on the walls. What are, what? I have it all written down. I I looked it up. I have it all written down. We'll get to that. Okay, cool. This is where we get the first one. We get... I'll spell it. S-A-T-O-N-Y. Satoni. Satoni. It's Satan. Satoni. With a Satoni. Ah, Luigi. You're the dead. Ah, you got a demon inside of you. So Satoni is actually an old occult word. Um, it means it's a power. It's a power word. So in if I was, I did a lot of research. So in occult terms, when you're trying to do a ritual, you need a word of power, and Satoni or Satiny is a word of power for reviving the dead. Okay, that makes sense. That's written on Charlie's wall. So, but who are they going to revive here? They're they're reviving Charlie. We'll get to that. Or are they reviving Payman? Payman's a god. Payman's a demon. He's not dead. He could be banished, but he's not dead. He's still in the spirit world. I don't know. I get so confused (laughs) on this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It'll all be explained. (laughs) Annie's going through Elle and her mother's stuff, and she finds a note in a book on spiritualism. And it says, forgive me for the things I couldn't tell you, some other stuff. Our sacrifice will pale next to the rewards. That would be the most terrifying note. I would instantly burn it, and that would be the end of that. All right, guys, we're moving. Yes. And then, oh, this is our first, like, something supernatural is going on here. Because when she puts the book down and goes to leave out of the room, she just sees her mom standing in the corner, like, Mm -hmm. really shadowy and dark, but you know what it is. Yes. Yeah, and it's not even like how these movies usually do it, where you see like the figure for like half a second, where you're like, "Did you actually see that?" They hold on the mom for like a good beat until she finally turns the light on and she's gone. But even when she turns the light on, it's not like they cut away or anything. Like it's like kind of darkness. Light, and mom's there. Light on. Mom's not there. And I was I was honestly afraid when I saw this movie the first time, just because I was like, oh, God, it's going to be one of these jump scary movies. Well, it leads you to think it's going to. I remember the trailer made me really think I'm like, oh, it's an insidious type thing. Yeah. When I saw the trailer the first time. Yeah, that's that was my thought, too. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm not into whatsoever. No, same. I'm not. I mean, I can watch them. I could take them really. But that's never something I go to put on. So now I'm glad it wasn't that way. Going back to watch the trailer now, though, too, it is a really good trailer just because they make you think Charlie's going to be in it so much more than she is. Yeah, oh, honestly, yeah. yes. I, on, I end a little side tangent for Charlie. Is anyone like Greg? I know you're on TikTok. Brandon, are you on TikTok? No, I'm not a teenage girl. Sorry. OK, well, me and Greg are teenage girls. <laughs> has an official TikTok. I found the girl who plays Charlie now has a TikTok account, and she's like an e-girl. What? Yeah, where she's like, it's like the new form of emo. Oh, really? Well, we know what it, yeah. I, Millie Shapiro, I follow her too, and she made me laugh because um, where she's ta- her one friend is like, oh my god, your head grew back. Yeah. yeah she, <laughs> she does to make like some TikToks about like hereditary and whatnot, and like, now she's like, I don't know, she, this is several years later, and I think she's in college now. Has she been in anything else? Not much. I don't think so. I, I don't, don't think, think much. So. She's really good. I'm surprised they haven't put her in more 
movies like this. Oh, she's she's haunting in this yeah. movie. Like that face. Like she has this blank stare the entire time. That yeah, she's never where she is. Type deal. Yes. Um. <laughs> so we get a tale of two classrooms here. We see Peter's <laughs> class and Charlie's class. Charlie's class, because Charlie's all evil and dark and weird shit. A bird just flies right into the fucking window after the teacher's telling her to quit making her arts and crafts out of, like, Altoids containers and shit. I love she's immediately, like, she sees the scissors and being like, I need that head for my toy. <laughs> no, no, but did you, did you notice the blue tinge to the scene? Uh, negative, I did not. No, we, blue... don't do, we don't do that kind of research, that much research on this Well, show, think Randy. about it. It's a blue tinge to the scene. I didn't notice it. What, what else is in, what else is blue? the sky well yeah the payment <laughs> the, the payment like orb thing yeah true very true if you, if you look around there's like a there's a faint blue tinge to the whole scene and it's meant to be like i think it's meant to be like oh payment through the bird in the window and then gave charlie the idea about the scissors well very true because like you said everything in this movie is a setup for something everything's laid out for right. this family right and then the other class is <laughs> peter Checking out this girl's ass. Which, okay, I gotta stop here. This is the only time I can think of in horror movie history that a butt has been given respect in this way. I, I This is the most unsexy, like, un, like, not unflattering, but, like, it's just a typical, like, high school dude looking at a butt in a classroom. It's just in the seat. Like, nothing, they're not drawing attention to it. I don't know. I mean, the camera zoomed right on it, but yeah, but it's not looking. The... That's pretty attention drawing. But that's where he's looking. It's not like she's standing and her legs up or whatnot. She's literally sitting in a seat. You really don't see any butt. You see jeans. Yeah. Yeah, fair point. If, if anything, he's getting more of a lower back look here. He's not getting too much out of this. I have some thoughts about his crush as well, but we'll get to that. Um, did you guys listen to the classroom lesson and all of Peter's classroom scenes? It's Heracles, right? Yeah. Yes. I'm so glad you knew that. Thank you. I yes. I, I went to college. I was a dropout. But <laughs> do you know the story of Heracles? Not well. Okay. So the basic like rundown of Heracles is his whole. He he was. He, they even say it in the movie. He, his downfall was being arrogant. He believed that he could change his life based on the choices he made. When in reality, his path was preordained. He had no choice in the matter. Again, like everyone here. Exactly. So it's just Perfect. meant to be another subtle nod to that. It's it's always fun in these movies, and this happens a lot with movies. We've done, like, what they're talking about in class. Sometimes yeah. just nonsense, but a lot of times I'll try to make it something to tie into the general plot. But most of the time with the movies we cover, it's like Halloween, where the teacher will not stop droning on about the character's fate. And there's nothing they can do to escape their fate. Yes, they say fate 50 times. There's no fate, but we make for ourselves. I don't know what that's from. What is that from? Terminator. Ah, oh, well, there, I do know what that's from. That's why it sounds familiar <laughs> to me. Anyway, Charlie goes outside and cuts the dead bird's head off and takes yeah. the head. Reminded me of, like, young Michael Myers from the Rob Zombie version right here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, isn't she also eating a candy bar again? <laughs> yeah, she just <laughs> munches on chocolate all day and cuts heads off of birds. So it's like Joey from Friday the 13th Part 5, where he won't put down the goddamn candy bar. (laughs) (laughs) 
She needed another tick. She didn't have enough ticks in this movie. <laughs> she sees a woman staring at her across the street. This isn't Joan here, right? This is another cult member. I thought it was. I wasn't sure. I'm not positive. I can scrub while we're talking here. I think Joan is later when there he sh- uh, she's shouting at Peter to like get out of get out of your body and whatnot. Yeah, that's definitely Joan there. Yeah. I didn't know if this was also her with this one or not. I'm, I'm if I remember right, I don't think it is, but it's another another. You know what? I, yeah, you're right because for the first time I saw this, I thought it was the grandma for a second, like yeah. she was seeing the grandma. Yeah, no, it's not her. Okay, I'm, that makes. I'm sense. looking out of here. Also, we skipped over the fu- we skipped over more of the funeral. Um, I want to go back. If you listen closely, um, before they enter the house, there's footsteps on in, in the second floor of the house. No shit, for real. Yeah. So the the cult Holy is crap. in there. The thought is the cult's already in there. Um, they've already t- dug the body up and put it in the attic. Well, they wouldn't have dug it up on the way to the funeral because they need the body for the funeral. Well, the ground's fresh. Yeah, but if they're still going to be there by the body and everything... They're probably just like prepping and making their blood paintings up there and everything. Or drawing on the walls. Okay, yeah. Well, Ed, if you, we've learned anything from Ed Gein is you skim the local obituaries for the freshly buried so the ground is still <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Why dig twice? Okay, so back at the house. Well, I don't know if it's after school or during the day when the kids are at school, but Ellen's room door is shut. No, her room door is open, and Annie locks it shut. That's right. Yes. So no cult people are getting in here. Oh, no. You know what it was? If, if When she goes in the room, she looks in the room on the floor as the triangle. I bet they were yeah. drawing the triangle. Yeah. Yeah, she thinks she has never noticed it or something like that. She, yeah. she kind of brushes it off, it seems. Yeah, I'll bet that's what they were doing. And so after that, Steve gets a call about Ellen's grave being desecrated. And he's like, desecrated, what do you mean? But he doesn't tell Annie what it is. He's like, I'm just going to deal with it myself. She doesn't need to know. Because let's be honest, Annie is probably never going to visit that grave her whole life. No. I mean, we know she doesn't, but even if she lives a long, normal life. (laughs) No, yeah, it definitely doesn't seem like it's going to be one of those relationships with her mom where it's like, oh my god, it's Mother's Day. I gotta go lay flowers on the grave. It's not like, um... Uh, what was it, um, Frank Zito or whatever, where he's sitting there crying. From Maniac, yeah. Yeah, from Maniac, where he's sitting there crying at the guy's grave, or at his mom's grave. <laughs> yeah, none of that. And this, I think, is our biggest exposition dump, but it's done in a way it feels natural, and I'm not angry about, because next, Annie says she's going to a movie, but she goes to a group grief support system, oh, yeah. and yeah. we get all of the exposition here, but like I said... This is a perfect setting if you're going to do an exposition dump because it doesn't feel annoying. Definitely. Definitely. And just that slow camera panning into her, pans out, pans back into her, just adds to that tension, adds to that feeling of something being off. It's just so well done. Well, I love it first, too. She's like, I don't want to say anything. And then she says everything all at once. Yeah. Which I think is pretty normal, though, like people when they're bottling up and then once they finally let it out, it all comes out type deal. Yeah. But I think in her case, too, it just leans more towards just the fact that she's losing grip on reality and that she's slowly kind of being broken by everything that's happening to her. Yeah, you're right. I'll let one of you two take this and tell me what all this means, because I'll tell you what is said and you guys translate it for me. All right. Her dad died when she was a baby of starvation. Well, it needs a male host so i i always took that as the the father was kind of trying to make it a weaker host so that because he knew something was going on 
Oh, so he was trying to fight off his wife's weird cult stuff. Um, I also think, too, that, yeah, but I also think, too, it's hinted at that the, the grandmother was, quote unquote, married to Payman. Yeah. Um, so I think maybe she was trying to starve him. So I think you can oh. read that either way. I mean, tell the dude to go make himself a sandwich once in a while. That's all it takes. <laughs> you know what? Like, if she's like, I'm going to starve him. I know how to make popcorn in the microwave. Good luck. <laughs> I was going to say, like, she uh, she kept burning the roast. That's why he starved to death. Wah, wah. <laughs> so <laughs> she never let her, her mom see Peter when he was a baby. So otherwise she would have been way closer to Peter, not Charlie, and like started prepping him, I guess, pretty much from a young age. Yeah. And that was that was why her and her mother didn't get along was just because of that. Yeah, and then they reconciled when Charlie was born, but then her mom got her hooks into her in more ways than she probably knows. Her brother hung himself and left it. They say he was schizophrenic. He was not. He was perfectly sane because he left a note saying that Ellen tried putting people inside of him, which she quite literally probably did. Yes. Right. And not Uh, in a society type of way, in a different type of way. Well, they they mentioned, too, that she has DID. Which is um, disassociative dis- identity. Um, the, it's it's basically two people in one. So you 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 have two distinct identities, at least two distinct identities inside of you. Who did they say had that? That Ellen had it, or that Annie had it? The grandmother, El- uh, Ellen. Okay. Back home, we get the weird light flashing through Charlie's room. What is she using the bird head for, though? She's putting it on top of her little Altoid statue, right? Yeah, she's making a doll out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, there's going to be a lot of decapitated head stuff throughout this. And she follows the light outside. And did you notice the footprints when she was following the light? Do you know why? Because there's another person that went that way. When? Right before. Because you see the person having their little kumbaya fire right over the hill. Uh, I thought it was the footprints of the person the night before. Because there's the scene right before where Peter's like smoking, looks out the window. um, When he's getting the party invite. Yep, and you see breath come out of the treehouse. Yes. I think it's probably the same person, but they go past the treehouse here, so I think it is literally going to that person having a fire. I could be wrong, I don't know, but because we do see it go past the treehouse. True, okay. But she goes there, and she's just about to crest the hill where this person's standing there doing some ritual thing, and Annie comes running out and gets Charlie because she doesn't have shoes on, yelling, what the hell are you doing, pretty much. Yeah. Look, I don't know... I'm not telling you to incriminate yourselves, but if you ever snuck out or went somewhere you didn't quite say you were going, what's a good excuse, and why is it not a school barbecue? I I mean, I would always say, like, because I had, like, my group of trusted friends that my parents yes. knew about, and my group of friends my parents didn't know I hung out with. And I would be like, hey, I'm going to go to so-and-so nice person's house. Instead, yeah. I'm going to so-and-so, like, evil person's house. We're going to go smoke dope <laughs> and watch horror movies. Blah. Are we talking about whenever he talks to his mom about going to the party? Yes, and he because... says it's a school barbecue thing, which is the worst excuse I've ever heard. He should have just said we we're going to go do some baking, because they do. I don't know what teen party does a baked chocolate cake at, but yeah, and that's you know the party what? I want to go to. And they do it so well. They're like professionals. Like this is like right. the, the Votech culinary class is hosting this party. Holy shit. The way they're chopping those walnuts once they get which, there. Which, okay. So the speed at which the walnuts are being chopped ties into later. This is how far down this rabbit hole I went. 
Okay, <laughs> I just need you to understand. <laughs> I just—I th- I was proud of myself. I thought I caught most of the connection. What? I just, I just need you to understand. I went. No, so no, get it here. now. Go ahead. What is okay. it? So the speed of the nuts being chopped on the table is the same speed that Annie's beating her head in the, at on the attic door at the end. Oh, okay. It's no the exact fucking same speed. way. Exactly. No way. I, I timed it. I, I literally sat there and timed it. I want to, I almost want to end this podcast now and then we'll release a part two when I come back from watching this to see yeah. this. It's all a conspiracy, okay? Well, dude, conspiracy. you watch this six times. What you say, I'm going to trust. I okay. watched this one time because, like I said, we're in the middle of our busy month right now. They're bringing the demons back and they're chopping the nuts for the demon. The, the demon loves walnuts. I don't know why. But the demons of walnuts, so they can beat their head on the attic, gives them energy. I don't know. But I'm assuming on the way to the party, which, well, we jumped ahead, but I'll drop this real quick before we go back, that you saw the telephone pool that we would later come in contact with again. Right. With the scene, of, with the, the, the payment symbol on it, yeah. Yes, okay. All right. But yeah, he tells his mom, like, we're going to a school barbecue thing. And I won't lie, his mom seems kind of, look, I know you're a teenager and you're drinking just tell me, am I get wrong in thinking this? Well, I almost see it as like she's like she because when Peter comes in to ask uh, Annie, like, "Hey, can I go to this part?" Basically, can I go to this thing? She's in the middle of working, and she almost seems like, "Oh my god, like why are you almost bothering?" I'm like so busy right now. Like, what's going on? Like, she almost has no time for it. Where she's just like, "Okay, well." If it's a school thing, then take your sister too. Like, yeah, she's under pressure from this job she's doing. She's getting texts from him all the time, calls and all that. So she's focused on that. And he comes in asking about a friggin' party. So yeah, I and also too the whole take your sister thing. I saw as more predestination stuff. You're right, one hundred percent. Oh yeah, because it even goes into now they go and ask um fuck what's the little girl's name Charlie 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 they go and ask Charlie. And she's like, I really don't want to go. And Charlie doesn't want to go. No. And the mom's like, no, you're going with your brother. And then, like, the mom's like, see, now Charlie's going. And the brother's like, awesome. Great. whoop de doo Yep. Yep. And it's such a well-acted scene amongst the three of them. I won't lie. Because yeah. the mom's like, well, take your sister. Does she want to go? Which everyone knows translates to, fuck, I really hope this answer is no. Like, he's <laughs> right. setting it up like it's out of his hands. Come on, Charlie, say no. I even love the delivery where he's, the Peter's like, oh, does she even want to go? And mom goes, oh, did you even ask her? Like, he, she's like mocking Peter back to him. The performances are all, I don't think there's a single bad performance in this movie. And the script is so believable that you feel, it feels very real. Oh, yeah. Well, there's no schlocky to this at all. No, which is funny for a horror movie. It's great. I love the schlock. <laughs> but Charlie d- definitely is getting drugged there. She would rather stay at home and cut off the heads, cut heads off birds and eat chocolate without nuts. <laughs> Peter doesn't want to take her because he wants to go smoke up and hang out with literature class girl and smoke weed with her. And mom just wants to work on her miniatures. All three of them are in positions they don't want to be in. Can I throw in one of my theories here now? Yes. I think the I think the crush is in on the cult. Really? Okay. Oh, is that why there's nuts there? Yeah, I think the nuts were there. I think she got Peter away from Charlie, so Charlie was on her own. 
where she's like bullying her for like the friends aren't in on the cult, but she is. So she has to like aggressively bully her friends into making this cake. Like, <laughs> no, I know we're at a party, but you're going to put this cake from no. snack and you're going to put this entire bag of nuts in this fucking cake. Everybody loves nuts. Put the nuts in the cake. More nuts! <laughs> I did the math. Eh, Peter's mom will bang her head at this speed. That's how fast it goes. Chop faster, chop faster, chop faster, chop faster, chop faster. Chop faster. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess so. Like, I'll just be on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they go up to their room to smoke. The Their friends are already on the bed watching a beheading video. Yeah, I caught that too! Again, <laughs> Not even, like, the three big ones, but there's so many, like, beheading things throughout yes. this entire movie. Is it from a pre-existing movie, or...? It's just, like, it's just, like, kind of, a uh, like, historical video of a guillotine, like, how to operate oh. a guillotine kind of thing. Oh, okay. He goes in there. Charlie's clearly out of place. This is an older kid's party. Why is yeah. there a kid there? Yes. He tells her to just hang out because he talks to the crush girls, like, Hey, nice party, very awkward, and he goes to the one move he has, which is, do you want to smoke weed? And it thankfully works for young Peter. Well, I even love how he says it. Like, he says it in a way of, like, I got some primo nug. Well, it's the only game he has, like I said. His actual talking to this girl is going terribly. But that also goes back to my theory, because she clearly isn't very interested in this guy. It, it almost seems like she's scripted to say this stuff because this is what needs to happen for for Charlie to get beheaded. Well, yeah, because she's at first she's even like, OK, yeah, let's go into the room over here. There's a bong. And then they go into the room and they're like, hey, guys, here's five other people that's going to smoke up all of your weed. And Peter's like, fuck, I didn't expect all these people to be here. Did you guys get that too? Like he thought they were going in solo to the room and yeah. he walks in and just the disappointment on his face. <laughs> oh fuck, yeah. I thought I was getting laid. Oh, this is a group party, huh? That even plays later when Peter, like when they cut to Peter, when Charlie walks in, because he's almost just by himself at the window. Like he's like, oh fuck it, at least I have this. Like exactly. his plans have just been completely dashed. And she also mentions too about how she knows that Charlie's drawing people. Like she says she drew her and didn't like it. Oh, yeah, she goes, is that your sister? She drew me, using in context here, made me look retarded. Yes. <laughs> Which I have to think ties somehow, but I don't know how. I just think they're saying Charlie draws people, but she's not a very good artist, as we've seen her work. But, there's, but a lot of them look like Charlie looks like, or not Charlie, Peter looks like Peter, with his eyes scratched out. She wants him to die. She's got him down pat. True, true. It's not her drawing either. It's very abstract. If we're going to talk about this art, let me go into this. Yes. It's very abstract. If you look at the lines of Peter's face. The lack of shading suggests that. (laughs) I've done all in downstairs. These are three guys who don't know anything about art right now trying to sound like art critics. (laughs) My favorite artist is Walt Flanagan, if that tells you anything. (laughs) I know. Are we calling this not art? Because this is a masterpiece. Oh, no, not the the movie yet. I'm talking about Charlie's work. <laughs> uh, but before he goes into the room, he tells Charlie, look, they have cake. We know what the cake is. It's the nut cake. But it's for everybody. Go. No, it's not for everybody. He basically like, force feeds her the cake. Don't ever call it nut cake again. Well, that's the thing. Nut cake. That just doesn't sound right. Nut cake. I'm going to title the episode that not to listen to find out what movie it is. <laughs> it sounds like you came inside the cake. Yes, nut cake. <laughs> 
I'm gonna go like smoke you got super excited about this cake, and you're like, Ugh, and you're like, uh-oh, I hope no one notices, and someone's like, I don't know, it's, it's a little salty, but it's right. good. Right, we don't need to know what you do on Saturday nights. Let's go on with the movie. Well, yeah, that is Fingouli night, so <laughs> I do get excited. So Charlie comes into the room when Peter's in there in the window, like I said, and right here is the tone change, if you ask me. It's not even necessarily the poll, it's right when she enters this room, because this is the first, oh fuck, really, of the entire movie. Yes, and this is where I started getting like, okay, okay, this is kind of getting tense. And it could not have happened to a worse time for Peter, because he's in middle of this ginormous bong hit, and mm-hmm. he's in high school, which mm-hmm. you know is going to hit him like ten times harder than you would like when you're like older, you know? Yeah, like, and he's got he's the taking dankest this huge weed. bong hit, and his sister walks in, basically like, "I can't breathe anymore. I might have eaten nuts, and I'm dying." Yeah, and of course, again, theme of the movie, she doesn't carry the EpiPen with her anywhere. Shocking. This is this is where like all my fun like zaps out of me when he you see him carrying her to the car, putting her in the back, and he's driving, but look, he's doing stoner driving where he probably thinks he's going eighty, but he's going like thirty-five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's gasping for air, puts the window down to get air, leans out, the pole with the mark comes up, pole meets head, we know what happens. Clunk. The reaction Peter has, I saw some people talking shit on this saying that's stupid, and I honestly think this is legit 100% how you'd be. He knows she's dead, but your reaction is to be like, are you okay, or something like that. He just stops and is like, Charlie, and it's haunting and sticks with you, and I think it's 100% what he would be like. This is where I stopped breathing because he's just sitting there doing nothing. The camera is slowly going into him. The tension builds. He just slowly drives home. He just slowly goes up to his room. Nothing happens. Nothing is happening. It's the tensest. It's not a word. It's the tense, most tense I've felt in a movie that I can remember. Well, it also reminds me so much of like a teenager reaction of like, holy shit, what the fuck did I just do? I'll just go home and go to bed and everything maybe will be okay. Yeah. But then even the next morning, like he's awake and he hears his parents downstairs and he knows like mom's about to go to the car. These are the last like few seconds I have where everything is normal. And that is the most well done scene as well. Just focused on him as she goes like, Oh, I'm going out to the store. I need more paint. (laughs) All right. Take care. Oh my God. Oh my god, it's just, you just hear her screaming, and it's beautiful. It is a well, it is such a well done scene. Oh, it's great. I love that they don't show her when she finds the body, too. No. I think staying on Peter and letting us hear it was a smart move for this, too. Yeah. Straight from wailing, straight into her on the floor in agony. Oh yeah, and she's just like, she's screaming like, I want to die and shit. I can't, I can't. I can't! I just want to die! I just want to die! And just screaming in agony from here on out. (laughs) And then Peter's outside the the door watching and just, holy fuck. And now he's almost like, I took it like right there especially, he's almost like the monster of the family now. Of like, oh my god, you did this. And again, in reality, I guess it is his fault, but... In reality, it's a mistake that he had no way of knowing was going to happen. And she also wasn't prepared, like, with the EpiPen or anything. But 
look, he's a teenager who smoked weed at a party. He obviously did not mean to kill his sister. I feel terrible for, for this kid when this is going on. But what about you, Mom? She didn't want to go to the party. Yeah, oh, I was about dude. to say, I love it when he throws it back in his mom's face. I'm oh. just like, oh, yeah, fucking oh, get her. Let's, like, let's, not, let's not ruin it yet. That's my favorite scene in the entire movie. Just let, let's, okay. just, let's get to there. You almost launched me into a good point. We'll save that for what we get there. <laughs> yes. Something I want to mention, too. If you if you listen to this movie with headphones, like really good headphones, they're about 80 to 90% of this movie, there is always ambient noise for the soundtrack. There's very little music in this movie. But there's always an undertone of don 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 throughout the entire movie, and it's it's subconscious anxiety, and it's fucking great, and I love it. Midsummer is kind of the same way with that. Yeah, yeah, and that's why Ari Aster is a genius. I mean, it's hard to argue. I wish the guy would cheer up a little bit, but yes, I agree. <laughs> Especially with Midsummer with frowny face. Somebody interviewed him after after one of the movie like premieres, and uh, the interviewer said. Uh, welcome, Ari Aster. So, how's your mother? <laughs> <laughs> dude, I would love to see like a psychological exam of that dude. Oh. <laughs> and because right after that whaling scene, we get the ant head. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, well, well, at first, yeah. At this point, we still have not seen like Charlie's head. Where you're starting to think of like, okay, we're not going to see it. It, it gives enough of a beat where it's like, okay, it's not going to happen. And yes. then it happens, and you're like, holy shit, that looks awesome. Is it actually revealed to the audience? Because I've seen this before, so I can't remember the first. Is it revealed to us, the audience, that her head was detached during the accident until then? Oh, or yeah. Or is it like she it. hit her head? And, okay, yeah. I didn't remember if before they showed it or not. You hear it? They did. I remember. Yeah, they did. I remember now. I almost think that would have been the only thing they could have did different is not let us know the head came off until right then look if that's the one thing i can say like man i wish that was the only thing that's a damn good movie if i can only say one because usually i have a thousand of those so you're saying they shouldn't have shown the head before that i I think that would have been a cooler reveal where you think she just died in the back like smacked her head and then that morning you cut to the severed head on the side of the road hmm yeah, but it, it it's for the story. Like you you need to know that one person is one out of three is beheaded already. Yeah. Uh, that's fair. Fair. Okay. Also, we see we cut to the funeral, and then there's a new word on the wall: zazas. Yes. Did I say that right? Yeah, I, I believe zazas, zazas. I can't remember. Zazas. Zazas sounds like a Pokemon. Zazas is Latin, I believe. Zazas. Anybody watch Supernatural? I believe it's in Supernatural. Um, no, I did not. It invokes a demon. That's oh, what it fair. Is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that night, Peter's going to bed, and out his window, you see a light turn on in the treehouse, which is the space heater, because this terribly evil-looking red glow, and Annie's sleeping out there, because that's where Charlie slept quite a bit. Yeah. Which, Charlie slept out there with no heaters or anything. Annie's out there with two heaters and, like, this huge blanket. Yeah, and if you want the real Charlie experience, you gotta do it in the frigid cold. Come on. Where does this take place at? Isn't it like Utah or something? I never got a... I have no idea, to be honest. I'm not sure. They don't make it obvious where it is. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's Utah. I think the license plate was Utah. Which makes sense then for the cold. Oh, That's probably why Charlie's lips are so damn blue all the time. She's sleeping (laughs) out in like sub-zero temperatures at night. Yeah, little details. Little details. I love it. Um, that next day, Peter in school <laughs> hallucinates the rearview mirror. Just a little thing that's 
awful. And then he's smoking under the bleachers, I'm guessing after school with some of his friends, and he thinks he's having an allergic reaction, which I just like Charlie okay, did. Okay, pause, and pause, that's pause, awful. pause, pause. Okay, so first off, there's two things in this scene. Does anybody know the two things that happened in the smoking weed scene under the bleachers? He has an allergic reaction. No. He has like a panic attack or something. He's, not ha- he's having a panic attack, but he's not having an allergic reaction. There's a theme of an herb throughout this movie. I don't know if it's supposed to allow payment to enter your body or or what. I don't know. But he smokes this weed with this guy who is at the treehouse at the end of the movie. The guy with the bun. Uh, I think he's on the left side of the screen. And this little bleacher friend group um, gives him the pipe. After he smokes the pipe, then he has the panic attack. I'm thinking the herb was in that. Oh, so it's like part of the ritual. Yeah, I think my my interpretation of it from what I gathered was you need this herb inside of you to allow payment into your body because there's another herb I'll bring up later on. Is it the one in the tea? Yes, that's what that's yeah, what made me I got that one. That's what made me stop because I was like, what the fuck is up with this little leaf she pulls off of her? I mean, just real quick too, as a side note. I have to give this movie props for, like, going through all the steps that, like, might actually, like, shit you might actually have to do to summon a demon up. It's yeah. not like you can say, like, five, it's not like Klaatu, Verada, Nikto, and the demon shows up, you know? Like, you have to ingest this herb, um, like, these specific things have to happen in this order, it has yeah. to be this specific thing and whatnot, like, that's really enjoyable. It is enjoyable, but I will not stand for this evil dead slander. Well, I mean, I just did that as the Klaatu, Verada, Nikto isn't I'm, like... I'm very disappointed right now. magic words, you know. I like my magic words. Satoni. <laughs> Satoni. <laughs> Gabagool. So, is that all we had for the bleachers? That whole yeah, thing that's going all. on? Yeah, that's all you Okay. Uh, he goes home that night. He rides his bike home, and he has to psych himself up to go inside, and extremely... I feel terrible, because this is this guy's home, and he has to, like mentally prepare himself to go be berated he thinks by his mom but sure. his mom's already sitting in the car and watching him do this and just leaves for group therapy yeah and i also have to think about like what is the mom thinking when he she sees her son show up to their own house and he has to be like fuck i have to go inside like it's pitch black like it's nighttime he stayed out probably as long as he can away from the house and now she sees him having to be like fuck okay come on we can do it you know, what is supposed to be a private moment? I don't think she cares. Honestly, if you if you watch her, she yeah. she is so she is so stoic against him. She's so just hardened against him now that she doesn't care what he does. She doesn't she care. She doesn't really care. Numb, about pretty quick. Yeah, I agree. And I think that could have been the turning point in the movie. I think that right there is the moment for her. If she would have at that moment, like set aside and went and like and talked to her son right there when she sees him like that i think that the relationship rebuilds maybe from there i think that's the moment like where they completely go cold from each other and which puts them onto the path where they end up exactly yeah and honestly i don't even think we know about the worst of their relationship yet do we no no it gets worse people yeah it gets so much better. She leaves for group therapy. She sees it, but she doesn't go in. She starts to leave already. And she's stopped by this lady who runs out to stop her. Her name's Joan. New character. Fucking Joni. Yeah, it's like the cult The cult people are like, holy shit, no, she's driving away. She's not coming in. Fucking someone, whoever's closest, run towards her. Stop the car. 
I like to think it's like Truman Show with this family. <laughs> with the on radio, like she's going down south. Like this movie could have taken a completely other turn, where Annie realizes everyone around her is a cult, and she just does that thing where he walks under the road and puts his hands up, and everyone stops. <laughs> her dad like died at sea, so she's afraid of the ocean. <laughs> he died of starvation. He comes back really fat, like like yeah. he comes back with uh, amnesia. They put the crown on me. It's like someone stop him. Hurry. They put the crown on Peter at the end. He just says, and if I don't see you tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) She's stopped by Joan. She's asking about how she's doing with her mom. Oh, I'm not even here for that. Says how her daughter died, but she's just going to go. And Joan stops. She's like, my, my son died four months ago and her son and grandson both drowned four months ago. I don't believe that for this littlest bit now. God, no. no, no. There's no kid. Well, and it's also so out of nowhere where like Annie's trying to get away and she Jones all of a sudden just like my son died. Like blank face. Yeah. I think that was to tell her like, look, I lost a kid. I think that's what she was trying to do, even though it was all for ulterior motive. She was trying to get her to believe her. They're in like her like ear, like the little like earphone thing. And they're like, say something, say anything. Keep her there. You had a kid once. Uh, she gives Annie her phone numbers. Like, if you ever do want to talk, here's my number. And she sleeps in the treehouse again that night. Also that night, Peter hears a click in bed. And look, if you're just hearing us talk about this, it doesn't sound like anything. If you're watching this movie, especially for the first time, fucking terrifying. Okay, no, think about this. Imagine you're laying down in bed. It's been a fuck of a day. It's, it's like a nice, quiet night. You're laying out down in your quiet room. You don't have any music playing that night. You don't feel like it. And you're about to go to bed. And then out of nowhere, you just hear. But it sounds like a per. It's not like a click of like a pipe or anything. It sounds like a person clucked. Doesn't he see her? Is it here that he sees her too? In the That's a little later on. I thought it was twice. Okay. Oh, that's a great reveal when he sees her <sighs> later. Yes. Is This next scene is kind of important because it shows that. The cult people, they're not foolproof either, though. They have, like, contingencies kind of in place to all lead them to the same direction. Because we know Joan is who later gets Annie to do the seance and everything. Yeah. But here we see their first attempt at it, because we see their mail is already in the mail slot. So, And then another piece is being added, so clearly not the mailman, and it's a note for, like, an open seance type thing. Well, that's also, too, I think, to plant more believability in Joan's story later. She's like, I went to this open seance, and he showed me my son, and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, so Annie can be like, oh, yeah, I got a pamphlet about that in the mail. That's right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I also think it was a weak first attempt for them to, like, well, maybe she'll just come to this on her own. Oh, sure, yeah. So I do think they have contingencies in in place, like multiple ways to try to get them to do the things they need to do. She does go to see Joan, and we get the welcome match. Like, weird, my mom used to make mats just like that. Wait, 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 the painting scene, the paint bottle. She spills paint. and No, she she doesn't. No, she doesn't. She doesn't spill it? No, if you watch the scene, her hand is like at least six inches away from the bottle, and it falls over onto her note with with the number on it. So I think that's like payment saying, hey, call her. Oh, pay- <laughs> your payment just picks up the note. I want the payment cut where we see him the whole time. <laughs> Release the payment cut. His hands just in that weird, like upwards, like weird, like cane motion the entire time. He's just yes. like, with the paint. <laughs> hey, that's right. Look at the note, Annie. <laughs> he just switches. He's like, ah, oh, shit. 
I see him as like a little like trickster kind of like demon where he's like, hoo hee hee, I spilled the paint and now she will read the note and go to Joan. Hee hee ha ha. What like is your name? Rumpelstiltskin character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because you see the picture of him and he's not like, I mean, he's scary looking, but it's not like it's like, oh, it's the devil. It's like a little troll demon looking thing. <laughs> But anyway, so Payman knocks over the paint and yes. makes her call Joan. She goes to her house, notices the welcome mats that her mom made. But she doesn't think it is her mom's yet. And here's where we get the first talk about the paint thinner sleepwalking incident. Yes. I'll let one of you guys take it. Well, no, all I remember about it is like she's talking about like, oh, yeah, well, like my son and husband don't really trust me much anymore. Um you know, there was this incident where, like, I, I used to sleepwalk a little bit, and, I mean, just, like, I mean, just so happens this one night, I dump paint thinner all over my son and myself and tried to light us on fire. She doesn't think too much about it, but I think in my um, conspiracy theory type thinking of this movie, I think somewhere deep down inside of her, her subconscious knows that she, this is the only way to save her family. Oh, yeah. Yeah, true. So I think she, in sleepwalking, is trying to kill these people because it's the only way to save them in the end. Okay, and I love she's like, well, I woke up as soon as I lit the match. I mean, I'm not, like, evil, you know. I thought it got a little hot in here. I'm not saying your theory is wrong at all. I'm just saying the way I always perceived it. I took it as, especially what we see later, she never loved Peter. Like, I was like, I never wanted to be your mom. How we get that later? I didn't know if it was like that. Her subconscious like, well, let's just get rid of him. I struggle with that scene because I'm not sure how much of that scene is real. I mean, I know it's a nightmare, but I don't know how much of that scene is real because at that you mean like her, her real psyche, thoughts. Yeah, because her psyche's already broken. I mean, she thought True. she cared. She cared about her son enough to keep her away from the demented grandmother. Just the amount of just the amount of like detail that she's going into this conversation in her head. Like, I tried every way to abort you. Blah, 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 blah. It sounds very demonic to me. Oh, yeah, where she's like, I did everything they told me not to do to have a miscarriage. But yeah. you still happened, and I'm so happy that you were born. It's a, it, it always sat off with me, because it's is it really her talking, or is it Payman trying to plant nightmares into her head? I don't know. That's good. That is really good. I never considered that. I thought it was legit, like she never she wasn't ready to be a mom type deal, something like that. Yeah, it could be either way. Do you get it all that maybe Peter isn't Steve's son? I never got that at all, but I, go on. Elaborate. I'm just saying because Alex Wolf and Peter Gabe, uh, P, uh, Gabriel Bryan and Tony Collette, Gabriel Bryan and Tony Collette are two very extremely white people. Alex Wolf <laughs> has a good, I don't know exactly what ethnicity he is, but he's a different skin tone than they are. It's a recessed gene. Maybe the grandmother was married to. Uh, but even you see the grandma, she's extremely white. Charlie is extremely white. We don't see the grandfather, though. No. That's true. That's true. I yeah, don't that's... think, because they don't add any of that to it, but they could have very easily thrown something like that in there. But that's I don't know. It seems, so like, it, it seems so like it, like a obvious casting choice of, like, you know. That's yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't think of that. So after Jones, we get... Well, he she drinks the tea. Is this she does she drink the tea, and there is another herb in there, like you said. Yeah, and she, Joan is like watching her intently drink this tea. So that kind of that's where I started thinking about it. There's something up with this leaf. And we get this fucked up moment of Annie. I'm assuming her art gallery is 
it's seen it's just her life so different moments in her life she makes all these miniatures of yeah and her newest edition is the charlie accident that she's working on what the fuck yeah where even the husband walks in and is like what the fuck are you doing and she's like and he's like what i'm just kind of doing what i do and it's like imagine if peter saw this and she's like what this isn't about him it's more catharsis for her and I, I i get it do you think it really is or do you think that's it is like i hope he fucking sees it i hope he sees it yeah I, honestly. yeah yeah i i do think it is that honestly um and he tells her like we made dinner he's very cold because he just saw her making a model of his daughter too being killed but like so then we get the infamous dinner scene from hell the best scene in honestly probably any movie I think. No, look, I've seen Tony Collette in a few things, and she's she's a good actress. She's really good. I always thought. I'm like, you know, but she's never. I'm like, I'm never like she deserves the Oscar before. Like, not yeah. in a bad way, but nothing ever stood out to me that much. Yeah. Holy shit! The fact that she did not get nominated, not just that, but win Best she Actress for this robbed. is a fucking crime. And this is my biggest thing: why I don't give a shit about the Oscars. Or don't you swear at me, you little shit. but this is why i don't care because this is the biggest crime and proof that they don't care about horror that this did not get nominated and win for best performance that year because she in one of the best acting moments i've seen in my life goes the fuck off here yes all i get is that fucking face on your face yeah, I love that one. <laughs> and you know what? It works too. Because in movies, we tend to have perfect dialogue. People yeah. don't stutter or make mistakes unless it's relevant to the plot. So I love that she's like, what's that stupid face on your face? Like, real. That's a little flub you would actually do. Well, yeah. It, it was a one. I believe this scene was a one take. And I think the actual line, I read the script, it was, you have that fucking smirk on your face. And she screwed up. And he's like, we're keeping it. This is great. I don't want to redo this this is perfect as it is well like you were talking about greg where like this tony collette completely got snubbed for the for that award what what was it the oscar well i just yeah it would be the oscar i forget i don't even know what these awards are called because fuck the industry that they do not recognize great horror movies it does but just because it's not a drama about a guy playing a piano it doesn't win best <laughs> movie. Go fuck yourself. That's what the show is dedicated to, is a giant middle finger to those assholes like Siskel and Ebert. Is it too early for me to advertise uh, the year two, th- two Throbby Awards? Because we can nominate her for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This movie needs to sweep at that. If, if it oh, I'm sure this movie will at least be nominated for quite a bit for that. Okay, good. But we did jump the gun a little bit because we cut right to the freak out. Like the we skipped over the whole awkward beginning of dinner. It's really good, Dad. Thanks, buddy. But thanks, son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the, the the kind little words between a father and son, and like Annie, the the mom, the entire time staring at them, like I fucking hate both of you so goddamn much. I want to work on my models. You killed my daughter. <laughs> It just you hear the silverware scraping on the plates and like no sound. It's great. The lack of sound in this movie is incredible. Peter really is the one who he knows he's gonna get chewed out. It doesn't take him by surprise. He's like something on your mind. Just get it out there. He's tired of living with the awkward. Let's just never talk to each otherness of it yes. all. And the mother is just deflecting everything. 
you know, is there something on your mind? Why don't you just say it? And yeah, and then that's when we get the giant freak out right there. And that's the end of dinner scene. Dinner's ruined. She leaves and Peter cries at the table and dad tries to comfort him. Correct? Is that it? Yep. Yeah. Okay. What is this store she goes to the next day? Because I know what it's supposed to be, but what's it actually called? The craft store that we see her go to? Jules Supplies or something like that. It's it's the exact same font of like a Joanne's or a Michael's. Yeah, yeah. Well, isn't this also where people are like, you see those like clickbait ads on like the horror like Facebook groups where they're like, oh, look, it's the couple from Midsommar and Hereditary. Just because there was like a dark haired guy and a blonde haired girl go walking by Tony Collette for like a split second. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. It's like, oh, my God, there's an Easter egg for Midsommar. It's like, no, that's. You're just no. feeding the conspiracy part of me now. Every Ari Aster movie is related. The A24 multiverse. Yes, A24. <laughs> Both movies are connected. Does he have more than two? He's got the king in this movie, and then Midsommar has the queen. Ooh, look at that. There you go. Look at that. But she runs into Joan there, randomly in the parking lot. She clearly followed her there. And What's she... in her trunk? What is in her trunk? A chalkboard. Oh, okay. she just bought it there. Holy shit. Well yes. done. Yes. So there was no previous thing. Good fucking pool. Oh, I told you, you know I kind of went. Been so, it would have been so funny in like, like the next like scene or two when they, they're doing like the ghosty chalkboard scene is if the tag was still on the chalkboard <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> you can see like, like a bad present where they try to take off the price tag, but the sticker doesn't come <laughs> off. I just kind of scratched away at like it was on clearance. It was only two dollars. <laughs> but not we, it on a budget. we don't we cannot keep spending all of our money on all these elaborate props. Get the clearance chalkboard. Everybody go support the call to payment on GoFundMe. They need the, they need all the help they can get. <laughs> yeah, they have a Patreon. They're like, let's <laughs> bring back this ancient demon king. Brad, I know you have. Brad, have you ever seen Carrie, like the 70s version? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the Joan in the scene where she runs up to Annie, she's like, I have such good news. Reminds <laughs> me of the weird super religious mom from Carrie when she just barges into the neighbor's house trying to talk about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. She, she says the same line. I have such great news. Exactly like that. Do you have a second to talk about our Lord and Savior payment? And they just pay her off to like leave the house. Yeah, exactly. Just like that. She finally talks to her about the seance and she's like, come over and she comes to her apartment and she proves it to her there with the glass and the chalkboard and the whole thing. And it's rightfully so terrifies Annie. And it's all fake too. How do they fake it though? Or is it Payman doing it? It's, it's Payman. Okay. So it's not fake. Oh, it's not what she's saying it is. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's real, but it's not real as she's saying it is. Which is kind of fucked up when you think there's like a ruler of the third circle of hell writing love you grandma on the chalkboard. Yeah, he's like, fuck, this is where I'm at to have to come back into this universe. It's like, I, just, I love you, granny. Fuck. I love, I love the image of him. I love the image of him just like perching on the table. Just like, oh, I love you. I love you, granny. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me that you don't want to see the payment cut now. This sounds I amazing. I want to see it with him like superimposed in every scene. Yes. He's just constantly jerking off. He's like a horny demon. Why? Where did this come from? I don't know. Just because it'd be funny. <laughs> it's all the naked like people. All the naked people have a reason now. This is great. Yeah, exactly. It's the naked people. Like he likes. He's like, oh, look at all the cocks. <laughs> and he looks nothing like the little drawing. He just looks like uh, uh, the dude who plays Wicket. 
I'm picturing Leprechaun, which that's who he plays. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, Warwick oh, Davis. Davis. Yeah. yeah. Annie like pretty much freaks out, like I gotta go. But Joan on the way out gives her candle and instructions, like if you want to do it, but make sure your whole family's there, including your son. Like, so it's not about her at all. And I love she's like, what? Like, what are these words? Like, what language is this? And Joan's like, I don't know. Whatever, just say them. Yeah, I don't know. It's just what you have to say to make it work. Just light the candle. Then that night, we get the nightmare sequence. So Annie's laying in bed and sees ants everywhere, like the mm-hmm. ones that were on her daughter's head. Yes. She follows them into Peter's room, and they're all over his face, just like Charlie's. And I don't know how they did this. Was this CG or practical right here? No judgment either way, but I don't know. I know it's not his actual face, but what is this? I don't know, honestly. I know they use practical for as much as they could for this movie. I'm not exactly sure how much. Would imagine, because anytime it's like a Hollywood movie and whatnot, they have to have like wranglers for even bugs. So I could imagine like the ant wrangler on set that day being like, oh fuck, they're escaping. (laughs) What do they just like cover the whole head in like honey, like fake head and like pour ants on it? That would make the most sense because I don't know how you would go about animating yeah, that would honestly probably be cheaper than animating it. it w- yeah, but I would say. She wakes up standing in his room. She was sleepwalking. It was all a dream. And then we get the, I never wanted to be your mother. I tried to have a miscarriage. And Peter's like, why are you saying this? And then it's smash cutting between the two of them. And at one point, it cuts back to Peter, and he's covered in paint thinner. Then it cuts yeah. to Annie, and she's covered in paint thinner. And then there's fire, and it starts, he's on fire. And she wakes up in bed. That was a dream within a dream. Brett, as you always say, it's Inception. Yes, a movie I've never actually seen. Welcome to my nightmare, bitch. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Freddy. Freddy won. Freddy no, won Freddy did not win Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the hereditary episode of Throbbing with Horror. Oh, We're done. Freddy won Freddy versus Jason? Fuck no. Jason <laughs> walked out of the lake with Freddy's severed head. And I, on his, and I think Razor Raw brought it up in the group chat where he's um agree with him. Jason did not kill Freddy. The final girl killed Freddy. So Freddy didn't even get killed by Jason. Anyway, that shows how weak he is. Look, I'm, I'm a big Freddy fan, but I'm always bigger Jason fan. But yeah, Jason won. No yeah. doubt. Fuck Freddy you, won. Razor Rob. Freddy won. <laughs> no, we love you. <laughs> but but then she wakes up in bed it was all a dream so she goes and wakes up peter and steve to do the seance and she looks like a mad woman possessed because she is pretty much Wait, she she says the words in the bathroom before that what words say tony's as a oh okay brought a nicto yes that yes. one too the magic words the, but the good she words. wakes them up to do the seance and the dad's having none of it and peter i think more or less is a peace offering kind of goes along with it yeah, that's how I read that, too. He was like, okay, yeah, mom wants to do this. I'll, I'm willing to try it. It's almost like, oh, my God, mom's talking to me again, and she's kind of being nice. Sure, I'll stand at this table with a glass. Right. And Peter says he feels the air flexing, is the way he describes it, and then the glass moves. Which is a very interesting way to put it. Has he been in the classroom and saw the blue yet, or is that after this? That's after. Don't worry. Okay. We, we did not skip that. The glass moves, and Steve keeps trying to stop the whole thing, and there's like a glass cabinet behind them, and the door on just shatters, and the candle shoots fire into the air. And look, I this to me 
make Steve seem like an idiot later when he doesn't believe anything. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, ex- like, then explain what happened, Steve. Like, That's why I said he's the psychological like antagonist to this, basically. Well, he's like the straight man of the movie. Like, right. I, did I say that before? I forget. Yeah. But he really is where he's the one, like, kind of sane, like, grounding rod where everyone else is going insane the entire movie. There's cult people. Mom's going nuts. The son's going nuts. The daughter's dead. Grandma's dead in the attic. You know? Yeah, that's it gets weird. And then Annie gets, like, Charlie voice for a minute here. Yes. Is this her acting, or do they superimpose it over? Because I don't know enough of Charlie's voice to know what they did. Uh, it's superimposed, I believe. Okay. But she gets Charlie's voice, and she's like, Mom? And she starts freaking out, and Steve throws water on her, wakes her up, kind of. She's like, what happened? And that's the end of that. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know. This is one, like... Look, like I said, I'm confused on law. This movie, I can follow this movie very well. But that, when I say I'm confused, I don't know what all connects to what sometimes. Because it's fun. It's... Sure. A nice rewatch and learning the things. But this is one where I legitimately don't know. And I kind of just blow by it. I think this is where Annie's possession begins. Oh, you think that was her opening herself up to the possession right there? Yeah, because if you read the book that shows up in, in later on in the movie, it basically says payment needs a weakened host. So mentally weakened host. So she's already lost her grandma, her mom, who she hated. She lost her daughter. She hates her son. Her marriage is strained. She has this random woman coming in saying, "Hey, I can help you talk to your dead kid." That it's all it's all a trick. He he he's a a trick trickster devil. Yeah, so just breaking her down over time. Yeah, and then we get more etchings on the wall. Lift toch pandemonium. Lift toch pandemonium. This sounds like a bad Papa Roach like cover band. It's like the <laughs> uh, lift toch uh, means to open the door. Pandemonium. And we know what pandemonium is. Well, if you break down the word, um, panda pan- is a cute bear. Yes, monium pan- is probably a medicine. Maybe uh, no demon. Pan, <laughs> oh, pan okay. means pan means all, and then you have the middle word demon, and then eum is a suffix to make the whole thing a noun. So you're invoking a demon to unleash all chaos under the world. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Fuck yeah, Satan. But so after that, we get the whole writing on the wall. Peter's in school and sees the light flash. He looks over to the cabinet next to him, and his reflection is smiling at him. But he has, like, the most stern look on his face, so it's not his reflection. He hears the... And goes to the bathroom. I gotta go potty. Well, no, yeah. he, you're, he doesn't just go to the bathroom, doesn't he? Or is this when his hand goes up, or is that different? No, that's, that's later. Okay. Yeah. He goes to the bathroom and calls his dad freaking out, because his dad then calls angry because Peter called him all frightened and everything. And he gets a message from the gallery asking, like, kind of, hey, sorry, hope you're doing well, but can we see some progress? And she just freaks out and destroys all of her models, except for which one? I don't know. Did either of you catch that? No. The house. She destroys all of them except for the car crash. Oh, oh really? Okay. Yep, that's the only one left standing by the time Steve comes in. All the rest of them are smashed and destroyed except for the one with the Charlie incident. Okay. Damn. Nice I'm, I'm, I can't believe you didn't catch that, Brent. I'm very proud of myself. I can no. hold a day right here then. That's right. I was, 
I was racking my brain. I was like, there's the one downstairs in the in the front room. No, I'm done here now. That's that's good for me. <laughs> good job. You stumped Brandon. You Great. did. Congratulations, you did. Greg. You did. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but Annie then walks into Charlie's room and sees and yeah, into Charlie's room and sees her notebook drawing on itself and turning pages. Okay, that's it. That night, Peter has the Charlie's head falling off vision. Yes. Yeah, which I love that scene where it, it like he kind of wakes up and you see Charlie in the corner, but it's once again not like a normal kind of ghost movie where it would be like, oh my God, you saw it for a split second, then it's gone. Like it holds on it for a good beat once again. And then Charlie's head like kind of starts falling off and then falls off and turns into like a bouncy ball. Yeah, it does like, what's the word? Like manifest as a ball then, I guess. Yeah, yeah. How do you guys interpret that? Because I wasn't sure. My I think was, that's just fucking with his head. Is it payment though? Yeah, I think payment's fucking with his head. Okay. Well, this entire movie, I think Charlie and Payment are almost like the same person now. I disagree. But what? It, well, we'll get to the end of the movie. Yeah, because as of now, Brandon, I love you. I think I'm siding with my co-host here, though. Because okay. right now, I think I'm on Team Brett. But I'm excited because so far, you've been able to prove me wrong on most of these. Okay. So that's going on. And then the hands reach out and grab him. And I don't know whose hands these are. And I also think this is just in his head just because of the physics of his room. There's, I don't think anyone could grab him through the wall. Right. That's how I interpreted that, too. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because you have the dog barking. Like, it's obviously not the If it was the mother, the dog would be barking. The door wouldn't slam shut. And he wakes up and Annie is in his room, I think, sleepwalking. But... It's led to make you for a second think it was her grabbing him. But like I said, there's no way it could have been her. Right. Annie goes down to burn the notebook, throws in the fire, but makes her arm catch on fire. So she stomps out the book. She's okay. Next day goes to Jones. I'm blowing through this part a little bit because there's not too much going on here until yeah. we get to the fun part. Right. I disagree, but go ahead. Oh, no. Anything you want me to stop at, stop. By all means. No, it, it, you're getting to the points. So it's not really that important, but there's more like we'll get into it. Okay, she goes to Jones, but there's no answer, but then the camera pans into the house, Annie's not seeing this, just us, and on the table, there's like this ritual with Peter's on Peter's picture in the middle of it. It's like some weird symbol made of things, and his picture's in there with his eyes X'd out. No, do you know what the stuff was on the table? It was, um... It was Charlie's dolls she was making. Yeah, oh, re you're right, yeah. Re rearranged um, into the, the altar. And wasn't the Peter's photograph in the middle of a triangle like they found on uh, Grandma's floor? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that's weird. And she also takes more no notice of the welcome mat this time. And she's starting to freak out, put it together. When we say she's possessed, Brandon, correct me if I'm wrong, the way I take this entire movie, it's not a complete you're not there anymore. It doesn't take over your mind, it shares your mind. Kind of get out style. Yeah, yeah, that's how I saw it too. Um, up until the point where she completely loses it. Yeah, at that point, it's full payment, and I do think like you're still a passenger when it has your body, though. Which, which is a reason why I say payment and Charlie are the same person. That's why I'm agreeing with you, Brett. Don't worry. But, but Charlie's not. Charlie's not the demon. She wasn't. She could never be the sacrifice. Go ahead, we'll go. We'll get there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
<laughs> it gets to Peter at school. Like it's one of those schools, I guess, where you can take lunch outside. And he looks across the street and think about him because he's never met Joan. He doesn't know who this woman is. <laughs> right. So it's kind of funny when you take it like away from us audience and try to think what this guy's thinking. Because we know who she is. He just sees some lady yelling at him by name across the street, yelling curses at him. Like, I expel you. He really should call an adult or something. Yeah, like, <laughs> hey, teacher, go get, uh, call the police. Whole thing's taken care of right then. Yeah, like, there's a crazy lady across from the school. We need to get rid of her. Joan, we told you, stay at least 30 yards away from the school, please. Thank you. I think she is 30 yards away. She's probably within her rights if she has she, that going oh, on. Oh, yeah, she's over across the street, yeah. It's like, yeah. the liquor store is down the road, Joan. Keep going. <laughs> Annie finds the King Payment passage highlighted in Ellen's book. And this is where we get a lot of the payment lore, I guess you could say. But before that, um, you see more rugs. And one of the rugs says Char- Charles. We do. And it's definitely the same as Joan's rug. But one of them says Charles. Because she wants Charlie to be a boy. Yeah. She she would not accept that Charlie wasn't a boy. Yes. Because in the passage, we see King Payman being a male prefers a male host. Yes. And take note of that picture in there as well, because his staff is the hand in the awkward formation. And he's also holding three heads. Yes. Three heads is important. Yes. She also finds pictures of her mom and Joan, and these pictures are unnerving to me on their own, because I don't know what's going on there, but this <gasps> stern lady we've seen the whole time is having the time of her life in them. Do you know what it is? It's like the ritual shit, right? It's it's the wedding of Payman. Oh, that's why, okay. That's why I said earlier, the grandma is married to Payman. That's why she starved the husband. Okay, I can yeah. see it. Yeah. And he goes into the attic. It's one of the... What do I call these? Like a drop-down attic where you have to pull the thing and the stairs come out of the ceiling? Yeah. Goes into the drop-down attic and there's flies everywhere. And she finds the headless body of her mom up there already in like full decay and everything. That was quick decay too. Like I I thought that was really fast, especially if it's going to be preserved, you know? I'll say it's in an attic though too. Oh, true. Yeah. You know, like, if it's not a ventilated attic and, like, all the heat's rising there, it probably would decay like that pretty that's, well. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I also love later, like, here in just a minute, how she describes it to her husband, where she's like, I think it's my mom, but she's all blackened and distended. And how she says it, it's just so, like, oh, that sounds disgusting. Yeah, very clinical and gross. Yeah, especially the, uh, the addition of the word distended. <laughs> yes. She looked pretty thin to me. There's a joke there that I don't get, and I don't want to admit that I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good one, Brandon. (laughs) Thanks, I'm here all night. (laughs) Tip your waitress! Tip that waitress so good! (laughs) Buy me a beer, I need need it. (laughs) That could lead into a Joker episode for a future uh, theater defeater. Yes. Oh yeah, for those who don't know, which I was going to plug your stuff at the end, don't worry, but Brandon has a really cool podcast that he's just booting back up again called Theater Defeater, and it's really fun, the episodes that are out, and I can't wait to hear the rest that are coming out. Thank you, sir. Next is the scene in class, Brett, that you wanted to get to very bad. Yeah, we're like, I love it, we're like, he's, he, is this where he keeps, uh, well, he sees the light, doesn't he? Yeah. He hears the click. He hears the click, and it keeps kind of going around him. Yeah. And then it's like right in his ear. And then all of a sudden, like he like his hand shoots up and it's like in the middle of class. So the teacher's like, oh, yes, Peter, like almost like, oh, you need to go to the bathroom. 
But then you look at Peter's face, and he's just like, you like, is he's like completely like his like mouth is like weirdly open, his eye like one eye is like half shut, the other one's way open. You know when you're like super tired and you do like one of those crazy stretches and you look disgusting, but it feels so good. Yeah, it looks like that, but he's frozen in that one moment. He's just having a bad trip. Like the stoner got some bad weed. That's all. And yeah. at that point, he slams his face down into his desk, and it like wakes himself up. And where and then he just starts screaming, like, "What the fuck is going on? Like, what what is going? What is happening to me?" I read somewhere, I'm not sure if this is accurate or not, but I read somewhere that he actually broke his nose doing that, and that's yeah, actual blood. he used to be, um, fuck, I forget what he used to be, but he used to be in, like, an, an extreme sport. It might have been a boxer or something. So oh. he was used to, like, breaking his nose kind of thing, and he went very method with it and did break his nose during that scene. Wasn't he also in the Naked Brothers Band? He was the Naked Brothers Band. I just okay. learned that recently in my look-up <laughs> stuff for this. But yeah, he did break his nose. That is true. I read that as well. I want to throw in here too that his crush's face just seems very like unfazed until she screams. But I feel like the scream was just acted. So you're holding on that she's part of. The I'm book. holding on. She's she's involved somehow. I don't <laughs> think she's at the end, but I think she's involved somehow. Well, it's not exact. It's not even her. It's like her stand-in because she was sick. So, like, she's, like, really bad at, like, doing her job. So she's, like, reading off her notebook. She's like, oh, my God, what's happening to him? Scream <laughs> really loud. Okay. Ah! Uh, I bet you that's not payment. Who's payment? No uh, one. Who's <laughs> Anyway, two plus two is six. He's hitting his nose. And then he's going to hit me. Oh, my oh God. My God. <laughs> Dad brings Peter home. His nose is broken. And he's, like, unconscious still in the back of the car. And, like, he gets him in. He's, like, half there. And he goes upstairs to sleep. And he tells Steve to go in the attic, though, because she's, like, running at him as he's pulling in the drive and all freaking out and waving her arms around and wild. And he does go to the attic to see the body. And Steve actually comes to probably the most logical conclusion to come to. He's like, oh my god, you dug your mother up. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, if you're looking at it from his point of view, he's like, what else could have happened? Why would some random person do this? It has to be you. Like I said, I'm, I'm on, like, Annie's side in the, Steve, you saw the fire shoot out of the candle, but even then I'm like, well, that doesn't dig a body up. Annie, you went crazy and dug the body up. Yeah. She was sleepwalking. Yeah, it's, it's okay. She can get away with whatever. Lighting <laughs> kids on fire, like digging up bodies. Yeah. It's like, honestly, Annie, I think you have a huffing problem. You just love huffing like paint thinner. Let's you get you out of the studio. You need to stop making these models because it keeps you around paint thinner. Maybe become like a telemarketer. She's convinced they need to burn the book still. But, and Annie thinks it'll kill her, but needs to be done. And is that kind of like a touching, sad moment when she's telling Steve about it? Because she thinks she's sacrificing herself to save her family. And she's like, I love you so much. It is kind of really sad. And then even more fucked up what happens next. Because she throws it in and then Steve catches on fire. Well, I was going to say, too, all of these long shots that just like the camera just doesn't cut anywhere. And it just lets the actors play out just really adds to the whole feel of heartbreak and tension in every scene. Yeah. Again, like Tony Collette was robbed. That's I think what we're taking oh, away God, from yes. this. 
Well, yeah, I love how Annie's having this giant emotional scene, and Steve is almost playing it off as like my wife is going through another another one of her episodes. Yeah, like I I don't even want to humor you about throwing this book into this fireplace. I'm going upstairs. I cannot be bothered by this. He literally says, like, we're done with this. We're not doing this anymore. You need help. Yeah. Well, I think he's worried for Peter, too, because Peter's a senior because they're talking about his SAT prep and everything. It's like a big pivotal point in his life, and he's going through all this craziness within this year. Sure. And he does say, like, it's not right to put him through all of this. So, but right after Steve catches on fire, did you guys notice the face change, like, instantly? Yes. I think this is when Payman now possesses Annie. Yes. Yeah, like the complete control right here. Because you see, like, you see the light, like, she's screaming and she's horrified. The light, like, flashes in her face and she just goes, like, stoic, like, in, like, a second. The mental break is complete. Yeah. Yeah, and so that night later, Peter wakes up, the house is empty. Wait, no, 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 you you, you skipped over the scene. It's like, it goes from light, nobody around, pitch black, bunch of naked bodies surrounding the house. Oh yeah, that's this is where that starts. So great, so good. So he wakes up and walks out and sees the burnt corpse of his dad in the living room, and right behind him, Annie is on the ceiling like Spider Man hiding from the bad guy. Yes, she's in his bedroom too. She sneaks out of the bedroom. I didn't notice the bedroom part. Yeah, she's in the corner of the bedroom, and then she does this weird, like, air swimming out of the room when Peter looks. Oh, yeah. Which, if anything, if anything, I have to say, that's kind of stupid looking, but I get it. But it makes sense, like, later on when she, like, hovers, like, later, it makes sense. Sure. Yeah, I think that's put in there just so that's not as much of a shock when we see that. Yeah. Yeah. We see her on the ceiling, and then... The smiling naked person is behind <laughs> him. He sees that. It's the guy from the funeral we talked about. And then yeah. Annie chases him into the attic. He gets in there, though, and shuts the door. And that is where, at walnut chopping speed, she is on the ceiling <laughs> and booking the attic door. Mo- mommy, mommy, please, I love you, mommy. Yeah, it's terrifying because it's like, at this point, like, okay, he might be a senior in high school. But now he's reverted right back to being like, mommy, please don't hurt me. Yeah. Yeah, rightfully fucking so. I'd probably do the same thing, honestly. (laughs) In the attic, he sees his picture there with the eyes torn out in the candles where the grandma's body used to be. Mm -hmm. And then we hear the sound. The, oh my God. Like, I remember, like, remember, Greg, when I was talking about the first time I watched Jason X in theaters and I saw the head smashing scene and I was like, that's going to stick with me forever. Yeah. I remember seeing this at the drive-in and it was the ring ring yes ring 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 and it's like slowly starts to pick up and then you look up and you see what's going on and it's like the mom Annie has this terrified look in her face like in her face and she's just cutting her own head off with like a piano wire Oh yeah you you hear the piano fall over and that's what where she got the piano wire, but I think that lends more credence to your, I forget who said, I think it was Greg about how you, you're still in control to some. Yeah. You're uh, still there. Maybe yeah. not control, but you're a passenger along yeah. with it. L- and listen, I am a, I am a sob mega nut. I, I cheer and laugh whenever like all the traps happen, but this was like, Oh my God. Yeah. You're this in one. good company here, Brandon. One of us like saw <sighs> quite a bit. Oh, fuck. So the- oh, I love it. Hey, fuck you. 
Oh, I I can advertise now. Don't worry, people. It's not for like a year, but Brandon's coming on the Saw episode. <laughs> oh, fuck. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the now. one is good. I like second the one is my one. favorite. The second one is my favorite. Yeah, that's and me too. Freaking, yeah. <gasps> Greg. But anyway, yeah, like you said, it's it's haunting and disturbing, and even as much gore shit as I love, I'm like, I don't enjoy this at all. And it's not even really that gory. They don't really show much. It's just the idea of what they're doing. It's just like, holy I think because, like, it's suicide, kind of, even though yeah. she's being yeah. possessed. But in the worst way possible, I don't think anybody could honestly do it. And that's what makes it so grisly and awful. She's not screaming. She's not making a noise. She's just, yeah, just slowly fear. tightening and whittling away your neck when it comes down to yeah. what she's doing. Well, even think about like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like the very first one. Everyone yeah. thinks of that as such a grisly movie. When you watch that movie and really pay attention, there's not much gore whatsoever. You don't see the hook go through the girl. You don't see like a lot of like you don't really see chainsaw mutilations. Everything's implied. So it's up yeah. to your own mind to come up with what's going on, which can sometimes be scarier. Sure. Which, when it's done well, you think you saw it. Because I, I legit just rewatched Texas Chainsaw this week. And like you said, you don't see it. But when a movie is done well like that and this, Hereditary, you think you see and went through way more than you really did. And that's the master class of like movie, if you can do that. That's why right. movies like this, like psychological horror, stick with me a lot better than like a slasher movie. You know, like you guys will be in the chat talking about, oh yeah, that kill. Like I remember the sleeping bag kill in Friday the Thirteenth. That's all I remember. And you're talking about what about this kill? But I'm like, I don't fucking know. This will stick with me forever. <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong. I'm not talking shit on slashers. I love that stuff oh. too. But oh, there's yeah. something huge to be said, like for being able to pull that off. Slashers are fun movies. They're not really scary to me. This exactly. Yeah, I don't get scared by them. This right. is fucking terrifying. And then the people have made are also in the attic, more naked people. And Peter does the most logical thing where he runs and dives out the window and lands on the ground. And did you guys hear the sound, though, shortly after he landed on the ground? And it's yeah. still sawing away, still sawing away. And then he just drops to the floor of the body. I can hear it like I can hear it in my head right now. Yeah. You hear when the head drops and hits the ground, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, I love it and hate it. <laughs> Which, yeah, then, like, at this point, Peter's jumped out the window, and he's, like, laying in basically, like, a flower bed. Mm -hmm. And yeah. he's, like, knocked out, you think. And he's at his lowest point. And at this point, Payman, like, the uh, weird, like, glowing blue light goes in, like, glows around him and then goes into him. The third yeah. body has been decapitated, and he can enter. Yeah, so it's in him. He's Payman now. We see floating Annie, like headless Annie, go into the treehouse. Was that Annie or was that the grandma? Grandma's already in there. The body was gone. Yeah, because it comes out. I thought the floating body was black, though. No, the no. grandma was already propped up and set there because it's Annie's because there's fresh blood off the head and it comes oh, out of the okay. attic. Okay. And so, because that's the two bodies that are up there headless. Also, fuck this movie. You didn't need to kill the dog. Yeah. No, yeah. No. I'm fine with all the people. But anyway, so Peter slash Payman wakes up, goes slash Charlie. up the ladder, walks through his parade of smiling naked people lining the driveway to the treehouse. 
guess. Yeah, they're doing um what's that website where it was like um flesh like circle or something? I forget what was what was it where you would like I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't need to know what kind of porn you watch, Brett. I don't <laughs> You don't remember that like prank website where people would be like, type in your phone number and they're like track exactly to where your location is and you'd put in your phone number and it would do this fake like zoom in on Google Earth. Oh, it was called Meat Spin. That's what it was. And it would, like, do a fake zoom in on Google Earth to, like, a random house. Like, that was just a picture. And then it would just cut to a dude's cock spinning. And it would be going, you give me right around, baby, right around like a record, baby. I hate the internet. I don't know anything about this, and I didn't need to. <laughs> no, yeah, it's like meat. They're meat spinning. It's the I get it. We get, get it. it. We get the idea. Yeah. <laughs> no, their cocks are spinning around in circles. Giant penises on a wheel. I get it. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, there all those meat spinning people are lining the way to the treehouse. <laughs> no, no, wait, wait. I just, I just had a mental image of the dude with the smiling face, just like helicopter dicking. <laughs> You're, you're welcome. I hate you, Brett. If I had to see it, you had to see it. <laughs> he goes up to the treehouse, and there's a bunch of people there bowing and everything like that. And is this where he, does he sit down on the throne right away, or is he kind of looking no. around? He doesn't sit on the throne at all. Charlie's head is on the body. Um, he doesn't sit down. He stands there. They put oh the yeah. On his head. Um, but he's looking at the body like that's he knows who that is. Yeah, and Joan says like she calls him Charlie for a second. Yes, yes, yes. She says Charlie Payman, we've provided you this healthy young male host. Uh, may your reign, yada yada, rule the world and accept us. You know all that evil demon rising stuff. And then he clicks his tongue, and they all go, "Hail Payman! Hail Payman!" Hell, Payman! Explain why Payman and Charlie are not the same thing. I don't think... Okay, so Charlie is not possessed, I don't believe. This entire episode, me and you have been going back and forth about Payman and Charlie not being the same person. I think they are. Why do you think that? Because, um, because at the very, like, okay, so Peter gets possessed Mm -hmm. by Payman. And Peter Payman goes up to the treehouse. And they immediately, they go, Charlie. Yes. Beat, there's a, a quick little second. Mm-hmm. Payman, we've got this new body for you. And they kind of explain what's going on. Yeah. I feel like it's almost like Payman has been lying dormant inside of Charlie all of these years. My interpretation of it was... Obviously, Payman couldn't go into Charlie because it was a female host. Charlie was the grandma's only link to the family at that point. So the grandma being the queen married to Payman had only one connection to get Payman into the family, which was Charlie. So Charlie was automatically important to her. I think in having Payman follow Charlie around up until this point, I, I think it. I think it was just a matter of Charlie was important to the grandma, so Charlie had to be involved somehow. But we also talked about whenever we did not see that blue weird light until after Charlie died. No, we saw it once earlier because remember she followed it out to the woods. Yeah, everybody saw the uh, Charlie and Peter both saw the blue light. Oh, okay. I didn't think you saw it until she died. But you noticed too that 
it it only goes into Peter. It never goes into Charlie. I think that Brett's on the right track for this reason. It doesn't say he can't enter a female host. It says, it says he, he prefers, prefers a male host. Right. So with him being in Charlie, they had to kill Charlie to give him his new host, Peter. And that's why they so specifically say when Payman's awakened Peter and up in the treehouse, we've provided you a healthy male host. Like, hey, we got it right this time. Sorry about that mix up. How would he have gotten into Charlie if there was not the beheadings beforehand? We don't know if there weren't more, more beheadings beforehand with the grandma's cult shit and everything. Yeah. Like, it could have been that. And, like, also there's that weird stuff with the grandma, like, breastfeeding Charlie. If yeah. she was married to Payman, I don't know if that's a way for that to happen. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, that okay. could be another way, yeah. That's Got all. Her. I don't know. Look, I'm sure the internet will tell all three of us that we're all wrong on every <laughs> count because everyone has different things with this movie, but yeah. that's that just kind food of movie. Thought. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, all right, let's get into end of episode stuff, guys. All right. The Throbbing Horror Count of the Dead, if you don't know, is this thing where we tally all the deaths in the movie and we add them to the deaths of every movie we've ever done to get this nice big number. Last episode, what was last episode? We did Malignant, which left us with a count of the dead of 594. Where do you guys think Hereditary left us? I will preface this by saying I did not count Ellen as she was dead at the start of the movie. Okay. That's the grandma, right? Yes. Okay. Should I also say I didn't count Peter because I'm going with the he's still kind of alive in there. Okay. Three. I think it's three deaths, isn't it? Well, like Charlie died and the husband died. Tony Collette died. And Tony. Yeah. And Tony Collette. Yeah. And if you're not counting the grandma or Peter, it's just three. Yeah. Okay. I'll go. I agree with Brandon. I'm going to cheat. Okay. Well, you both got it. Very good. Yay! Brings our count of the dead to 597. Woo! Every week, Greg does his count of the dead. Ah, ah, ah. And I like to do my rating system, but I don't like to do stars or thumbs up because, number one, stars are sacred because Joe Bob does uh, stars and hail Joe Bob. Stars. Um, Hail Joe Bob! Hail Joe Bob! Hail Joe Bob! (laughs) Um, and number two, Cisco and Ebert do stars sometimes, and fuck those people, because they talk shit about Friday the 13th, and then gave out the actors' and actresses' addresses in a public, like, publication. Wait, what? Like, hey, yeah. send, sh- send these people hate mail. I didn't know that. Holy shit. Yeah. So I mean, I know Freddy's why... better, but my god. That is why every episode we say fuck Cisco and Ebert. So I like to do something one through ten, but from this movie, and I do not come up with that thing until right this second. <laughs> Ooh, there's a lot we could do. I'm trying to think. Yeah, there's so many good things. There's beheadings. I'd honestly, you know what? Beheadings is a good one. Ooh, okay. I'm gonna go with beheadings. So okay. um one beheading is like it's really shitty. It's like it's basically like uh, like when you're like a kid and you pull the head off your G.I. Joe and you're like, ooh. You stopped halfway through the neck and just kind of gave up. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Um, Ten beheadings is like, God, what would be the best beheading like ever? I'm trying to think. What's the great? Like the Headless Horseman comes to mind just because it's such a legend, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Um. Anything real life is going to get us in trouble, so we'll go with that. Alice Cooper getting beheaded live on stage to this day in his 70s. 
Yes. Okay. I'm going to honestly give this movie 10 beheadings out of 10. I feel mm. like this is a perfect movie for what it's doing. And I just adore it so much. I'm probably going to also have to give it 10 beheadings. I know that sounds odd coming from me, but this movie is just so perfect. The buildup, the atmosphere, the script, acting, the way it explains everything without telling you this is how it happened. It's incredible. It's worth rewatching it. 10, 10, 10 beheadings, 10 heads all in a row. All right. So for the first time in Throbbing with Horror History, we got the Golden Hall of Fame entrant. Oh. Hall of Fame is anytime some, something gets a 10 from me and Brett. This is the first time something got three perfect scores. I also went 10 beheadings because when I look at this movie, I'm like, yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with it. Is it my favorite movie? No, but I'm like, there's nothing I can take points away from this yeah. movie for. 10 beheadings, new addition to the Throbbing with Horror Hall of Fame. Yeah. What yeah. does this movie join? It joins uh, Halloween. It joins Evil Dead 2, Halloween, Army of Darkness, and Hereditary. Nice. Oh, that's, I agree. I love that list. Now, which do you guys like better, this or Midsummer? Oh, I'm the Hereditary out of the two of them. Okay, I'm going to yeah. say this before Midsummer. Yeah, definitely. Did you guys see his uh, Munchausen short film? No. No. Oh, you got to watch. It's on, uh, I think it's online. You can go watch it. It's really good. I even catch myself being pretentious where you said midsummer and I'm like midsummer. I said summer just because I'm like, I'm like fucking like it's in my fucking brain of just being like, oh, no, this is a fancy movie. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is art. We have to treat it. This respect. is a fancy movie. <laughs> it's a fancy movie. Oh, dearie, get me the binoculars. I can't see the man side of the screen. Oh, <laughs> fix your like some sausage. <laughs> Um, All right, okay, what so else we got since it's October, Brett? For October, um, I did a little quick segment at the end um, to honor um, October and Halloween, and that's Throbbing with Horrors Offering to Sam. And that's Sam from Trick or Treat, or also it can be Sam Hain, which is another thing for Halloween. And I have one question for each of you uh, uh, tonight, and then I will answer it after you're done. Did you guys grow up going to haunted houses, and do you enjoy them? Yes and yes. I love going to haunted houses. Uh, my first time at one was Houston's Haunted Hall. Well, I went to one in a mall when I was like five, I remember, that was actually really cool. And you were standing in line, and they always chased the people out. And this was like the early 90s, so safety be fucking damned. They would chase the people out from the haunted house, and then you'd see the monster <laughs> at the end. And I was terrified. I remember going to Houston's, which is a local one close to me, when I was way too young. I accidentally pushed one of the actors through a wall. Oh I was so scared that I was like six. But now, yeah, I love them. I, I definitely do. Uh, I never really did as a kid. My first ha uh, haunted house was I was probably fifteen ish, um, with some uh, with a, with the the church youth group kind of thing. So it was kind of lame. But yeah, I I love haunted houses still to this day. Um, I'm always the the one laughing at people um, while everybody else around me is scared. Uh, oh, there was one guy. I, I am that guy. <laughs> I, I'm not outright making fun of the people, but I'm just kind of like, that was funny. Like, um, but there was one in Pittsburgh. Um, I kind of became the de facto leader of the group and I'm like, Oh, you know, it's fine. But blah, blah, blah. I don't know what happened. There was a clown behind us in the group. And then I don't know if there's a secret door that he was in front of me. And um, the, the one who was beside me in my group had to like hold my fist back. Cause I guess I subconsciously went to like punch the guy out. 
That was the only time I've ever chosen violets, but uh, yeah, I, I love. I'll say Oscar. it happens. They're used to it. never do it on purpose, but sometimes yeah. your gut reaction will happen. They know exactly. It's fear. Yeah. And I have to say, of course, I love haunted houses. I even volunteered at one in high school where oh, I would drive so 45 minutes out of my way each way. So it's like an hour and a half total. And that's with high school gas money, which is very rare. Um, but I would drive out there to hang out with my friends and volunteer at this haunted house because it was so much fun. And it was just a bunch of high school kids basically running it for the most part. I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. It was so much fun. Like the one year I got to do it with my buddy Heath and um, he was running the chainsaw, but he slipped and fell and he hurt his back and he crawled into the other room and he slid the chainsaw to me. And he's like, there's another group coming. You get them. <laughs> what is this saving private Ryan situation where the haunting man got down and basically did the equivalent of being in war, sliding his gun to you and like, you go on without me. <laughs> he crawls away. And carry like, on okay, my legacy. I'll scare these people. I need you to carry on my legacy. There was another year where it was like a couple years later. Um, I think I was actually graduated at this point where I went back and volunteered for like one last year it's the last time i did it and we all ended up kind of just getting drunk in the cornfield and we would miss most of the groups because we were drinking so groups would come past our area being like i guess nothing's happening here and we just have to be really quiet and hide <laughs> that's amazing my my proudest moment um for like scary because i've always wanted to do a haunted house so i kind of did one um with my youth group uh, when I was in, uh, in a youth group of my church, um, they they had uh, lock-in nights. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but it's basically like yeah. overnight thing. Um, and they used to play um, hide-and-seek in the dark in the church, which is always great for hormonal teenagers. Um, so <laughs> the one year, it was when Slender Man first got, became popular. Um, I bought a morph suit, and uh, I practiced and got really good at just moving whenever people weren't looking. And oh, I, Nice. I hid in the the sanctuary of the church in the pitch black with this slender man suit on. And there was one girl in particular. Um, she, she was probably, I was 17. She's probably like 15, 16. She came up to me. She's like, who is this? And I didn't say a word. And I just followed her around the sanctuary. And she's like, please stop. <laughs> that's and, evil. That's, kind of, that's no. terrible. And she's, I didn't stop. And I just, I, I followed her to the point where she didn't hear me walk right behind her. And she turned around, dropped to her knees and started sobbing in the middle of the church. And that was my proudest moment. Oh no. <laughs> scaring somebody ever. I, I will never live that down. That is my favorite. That's great. All right. You ready for next week, Brett? Yeah. And honestly, and next week, next week's movie. Well, next people, episode. And then, yeah, next episode is, it's a weird movie you might not have heard of, but please give it a chance. Yeah, definitely give it a shot. It's the WNUF Halloween special, which sounds like we're talking about a news recording, which is what's supposed to. It's a really cool, like, found footage type thing. I was going to say, but, like, yeah. supposed to be, like, filmed off of a TV, and it's really cool and innovative, but it's available on Shudder, if any of you want to check it out. WNUF Halloween special. That will be dropping this coming Wednesday, because October... Double features all month, two a week. Yes. That, that kind of sounds like one of those like ARGs they put on YouTube. It sounds really interesting. It has like fake commercials. Like it it's it's like you pop a VHS into the T like into the VCR, you turn your TV on, 
and you're watching a, a taped like news uh, program from the 80s oh, with full incredible. commercials. It's there. It's fully done up where it's all like the Halloween season and whatnot. It's it's very atmospheric and it's a lot of fun. That's incredible. Yeah, for you, sure. Are you guys going to cover the uh, scariest Christmas movie ever? The Star Wars holiday special? We do not say the C word. <laughs> not in October. On this podcast, Brandon. I know. I just had to bring it up. I was about to say thank you for being on this podcast, and we really <laughs> enjoyed having you on until now. <laughs> Hell, Heyman. Get off the podcast. No. <laughs> Bad. You'll have me back. Yeah, well, you yeah, were good. Next week. In serious, thank you, Brandon. That was a lot of fun. But My pleasure. This is also, I believe, our longest episode we've ever clocked. So, yeah, thanks. I'm the guy who has to edit this. But, no, for real, thank welcome. you so much. It was a very good time. I had a blast. Thanks for having me. And we hope uh, Hereditary has left your brain throbbing with horror.